1 Samuel, the 11th chapter, verses 1 and 2, it says, Then Nahash, the Ammonite, came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, Make a covenant with us, and we will serve you. Verse number 2, And Nahash, the Ammonite, answered them, On this condition, I will make a covenant with you, that I may put out all your right eyes. In other words, that I may pluck out all your right eyes and bring reproach on all Israel. I want to minister for a few moments. The Lord would help me from the subject, a people with no right eye. A people with no right eye. Ah, would you bow your heads for a moment? Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness to us, allowing us to step in, Lord, to a brand new year. That's something worthy of recognition, Lord, because some folks didn't step into this new year. But by your mercy and grace, we find ourselves here today, and we're grateful. We thank you for all that you have done, but we also, God, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do, not only today, but throughout this year. I pray your blessing upon us today. Open our minds, our understandings, God, to receive your word. Speak to us. Let your word go forth with power, and we'll be careful to give you the glory and the praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen and amen. The people of Jabesh Gilead, God's people found themselves surrounded by a much stronger and greater army than their own. So overcome by fear, they decided the only reasonable thing to do is to try and make a deal with the enemy. And if I, if I studied this a little closer and I discovered that the name of the leader of the army that came against God's people, his name was Nahash. And Nahash literally means serpent. Someone say serpent. Just like this enemy tried to surround the people of God then and overwhelm them and get them to give in, our enemy, the devil, the very first serpent, tries to do the same thing to us. Is that not true? Because the goal of the enemy is to put so much pressure on you that you willingly give up the things that God has already given you. I've realized the majority of the work of the enemy in our lives is to surround us, constrict us, corner us, put so much stress, anxiety, pressure, and fear on us that he doesn't have to take anything from us because of the pressure we willingly give it up. We say things like, I can't take this anymore. I'm not going back to church. I can't take this anymore. I'm tired of trying to serve God. And all of a sudden, everything comes against me. I just can't do this. I don't know why. And so we just willingly give up our joy. We willingly give up our peace. We willingly give up the promises that God has given to us. I realize the devil doesn't really take much from us. We give it up. We let that 
crazy driver on the freeway take our joy, our Holy Ghost, our peace, our satisfaction? That lying devil. No, no, the devil wasn't even there. You just gave it up. You just said, crazy driver, you can have my whole day. You wake up with a pain in your body. Oh, it's going to be one of them days. It's in your shoulder and you're limping. <laughs> What's going on? Are you okay? Yeah, I just, man, I'm just going through it. And the devil's like, hey, psh, I'm over here, you know. I'm, I'm in Las Vegas. I wasn't even near you. <laughs> we just give up all these things. I'm trying to help somebody because somebody goes, that's what's been happening in my life. Don't blame the devil. You gave it up. You said, here's unity in my home. Here is satisfaction. Here is purpose. You got, because the pressure around you caused you to willingly give it up. That, that's not my message, but just a little something to chew on. And so that's what's happening in our story today that we read. And there's some things that I found in this story that I believe the Lord has led me to share with you today that I hope help us as we start out this year. Number one, let's just get right to it today. Never negotiate with the enemy. Look at somebody next to you and tell them, never negotiate with the enemy. The men of Jabesh wanted to make a deal with the leader of the enemy's army, Nahash, hoping that things would be better for them by giving up just a little bit and maybe not losing a lot more. And that's really what we think. If I just give in a little to the enemy, if I just go ahead and, and do this or that and give up a little, it will be easier later. And I won't have to fight so much. But that is a lie from the very pit of hell. Because when you give up a little bit now, you lose now and then you end up losing a lot more later. These men said, guys, look, how about we just give up the right eye? That's what he's asking for. Maybe he'll leave us alone and maybe he'll leave our wives and our children and our livestock and our possessions. And maybe he'll just wander off and find somebody else to mess with. All we have to do is just give up our right eye. It's no big deal. What they didn't realize is this is how the enemy works. He wants us to give up a little bit today so that he can ultimately come back for more later. Let me give you a biblical example of this. In our Bible, David, when he stands before King Saul and gives his credentials on why he is capable of fighting the giant Goliath, of Gath, of the Philistine. He says, there came a day when a lion and a bear came to take a sheep from my father's flock. And I killed them. I stopped them. Why would David do such a thing like that? Not only because it was his responsibility as a shepherd to protect the sheep, but he also knew the mindset of a predator. 
David said, if I allow this lion and this bear to pluck one of the sheep today, then he's going to come back tomorrow for another one. And if I don't stop him today, not only will he come back tomorrow for another one, he'll bring some buddies and they'll come back the day after and they'll take two more. And if I don't stand up and resist him now, I may not have a flock later. So David said, I'll stop him now and he won't come back tomorrow. I'll deal with this now and it'll be over today and gone tomorrow. I'm talking to somebody here on this very first Sunday of January 2024. You need to stop the enemy in his tracks right now. You can't have my joy. You can't have my peace. You can't have my children. You can't have my marriage. You can't have my peace of mind. I will stop you now because I refuse to give up everything that God has given me. Some of you are wondering why you've lost so much. Can I be honest with you? You didn't lose it overnight. The devil didn't trick you. It sounds real spiritual though, you know. The devil just got me, pastor. He snuck up behind me. That lying devil tripped me up. First of all, you surrendered some things. And when he saw how easily you surrendered those things, he came back for some other things and you didn't resist him. You didn't put him in his place. So he took those things and he came back for more. But pastor, it's just so hard and so stressful and my plate is so full. I'm, I'm dealing with so many things. It's, it's so hard. But if you don't resist him today, if you don't muster up a little bit of courage and a little bit of strength today, one day you're going to look behind and there'll be nothing left. I don't know what happened to my marriage, pastor. I don't know what happened to my children. I don't know what happened to my life. Can I tell you, you allowed him to come in in the beginning and you didn't stop him. Yeah. Talking to somebody, we're trying to get ahead for some folks. Yeah. Don't worry because there's a spirit of restoration in this house today. For somebody that lost some things in 2023, God's going to help you get them back in the name of the Lord. Oh, I wish I had somebody that would believe that with me today. There's a spirit of recovery in this house today. Somebody's going to recover some things before we're done. But I'm also helping another group that before they even get started, when you start smelling that enemy come, you say, it's no today, it's no tomorrow, it's no the day after. I will not negotiate with the enemy. Don't try to make a deal with the devil. Don't negotiate with him. Tell him no today. And tell him no tomorrow. Devil, you can't have what God has given to me. I will not give up my spiritual right eye. Young man... Young lady, single adult, you got to tell them no. No. I will not give up what God has given to me. I will not give up my purity. I will not give up my mind. 
I will not give up the purpose that God's deposited inside of me. I refuse to negotiate with the enemy. You cannot have my spiritual right eye. Second thing I want you to consider with me today. Don't negotiate with the enemy. But number two, don't delay your decision. Look at somebody, tell them, don't delay your decision. This is also in the story. We haven't read it yet. But this is where it gets very interesting to me. Go with me to 1 Samuel 11 and 3. Watch this. Then the elders of Jabesh said to him, Nahash the serpent, the leader of the enemy's army. They said to him, hold off for seven days. That we may send messengers to all the territory of Israel. And then if there's no one to save us, we will come out to you. Somebody say seven days. When I read that verse for the first time, I got mad. Because here's the enemy. I mean, they can literally feel his hot breath on the back of their necks. And he's threatening to take everything they have unless they surrender their right eye. Take their wives, take their children, their future, everything they possessed, the possibility of future earnings, their legacies. And instead of telling the enemy no, right there and then, which he deserved, they said, give us seven days. Wait a minute, Jabesh, Gilead. You mean to tell me the enemy wants to destroy your family and you need to think about it? You mean to tell me he's saying he's going to kill you and destroy your life right now if you don't do this or that? And you say, let me pray about it, pastor. I'm just not ready to go all in while the enemy's all in on you. He's out to steal from you. He's out to kill you. And he's not satisfied with that. He's out to destroy you, your life, your happiness, everything connected to you. I don't know about you, but I don't need time to think about it. No. You are not coming into my home. You are not coming into my life. You are not coming into this church. We stand to resist you in the name of Jesus. Seven days. Let me think about it, Pastor. The, 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 you, the year is still young, but you're not. You just barely got started, but we haven't. It's time for you to make a decision right now. Today, before this service is over. My family and I, we're going all in in 2020-24. I don't care what demons we have to fight. We've been fighting them anyway. So in the name of Jesus, we're going to get all into this living for God stuff. I'm going to dive into my Bible like I never have before. I'm going to get on my knees in prayer like I never have before. 
I'm going to connect myself to God's kingdom like I never have before because I'm not going to allow the enemy to take from me today, tomorrow, or the rest of this year. I don't need to pray about it. I don't need to think about it. I don't need to contemplate it. My answer today to the enemy is no and to Jesus and his kingdom, it's yes. When you are surrounded by the serpent and he's wanting, to, wanting you to give up, your answer must be a quick no. 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 I don't need to think about it. I don't need to wait and see what happens. My response to you today is no. I'm not going to allow that spirit to creep in my life. I'm not going to take one drink of alcohol in 2024 because I know where that leads. I'm not going to go visit those kind of places in 2024 because I know it's waiting for me at the end of that road. I'm not going to get involved with those kind of people in 2024 that are toxic, that are going to pull me away from the things of God. I'm not going to do it because I know what happens if I go down that road and I'm not going to allow the, the serpent to, to constrict me and to pressure me. My answer today is no. There's a couple of examples in our Bible of people delaying their decision. The Bible says that Moses had stood before Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and said, the Lord Jehovah God says, let my people go. People of Israel had been taken slaves for approximately 400 years. God raises up Moses to be his voice to deliver his people out of the hands of the Egyptians. He goes before Pharaoh and Pharaoh says, Who, who's this God that I should obey him? And God says, I'm going to give you 10 reasons why. 10 plagues begin to inflict the land of Egypt. And one of those plagues was a plague of frogs. Your Bible says in Exodus that there were frogs everywhere. Frogs in the kitchen. Frogs in the beds. The land was covered with frogs. Now, if you like frogs, you're going to like the story. But if you don't, you can already hear the ribbits and feel the leaping. You get into bed, you pull your favorite blanket over you, and you hear, ribbit. I can't deal with this. I'm going to get me a midnight snack. You open the fridge, ribbit. I need some fresh air. I got to get out of this house. You open the front door. And all of a sudden, it's just a sea of frogs covering the land. The people were fed up. They were tired of it. They go to Pharaoh, and they tell Pharaoh, go get Moses. He's the cause of all of this. And Moses was on speed dial. Moses was just waiting. He's looking at his cell phone for any minute for that light to turn on and that phone to ring. Yes, Pharaoh? How can I help you? Need you to come. So Moses is like, okay, I know what he's going to ask. He's going to want me to lift up my rod and this time take away all the frogs. So I can imagine Moses was on his way and just kind of warming up his shoulder. He was about 80 plus years old at this stage. So he's like, all right, I'm going to raise up my rod and the frogs are going to go back into the sea where they came from. So he comes to Pharaoh. He knows that he knows the answer. But he asked the question, what would you like me to do, Pharaoh? Would you like me to get rid of all these frogs? 
And Pharaoh says, yeah. Moses said, well, when would you like me to do that? And here is the interesting answer that Pharaoh gives him. It's in your Bible. He says, tomorrow. Wait a minute. You got the man of God standing right in front of you right now. With the power from Jehovah God in that present moment to rid you of what's been afflicting you and bothering you. But you'd rather spend another night with the frogs? That's terrible, pastor. It's not so bad because that's how you live. Some of you have been sleeping with the frogs for a long time. Frogs of addiction. Frogs of fear. Frogs of depression. Frogs of anxiety. Frogs of immorality. Frogs of lust. It's not that bad, Pastor. You got frogs all over your life. And the man of God stands before you today on behalf of the God of heaven. He can deliver you. He can set you free. He can bring you peace. He can put the pieces of your life back together. You don't have to spend another night with the frogs. God can deliver you today. He can, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. He can break the addiction off your life today. He can set you free today. He can save your soul today. Don't delay your decision. You were saying last year that you were going to do it this year. This year, I'm breaking up with him. And you haven't yet. This year, I'm ending that relationship. This year, I'm walking away from those things. And we're already in the new year, and you haven't done it yet. Don't delay your decision. Today is the day for you to break free from all those things. The secret drinking that you developed, today is the day. Going back to that lifestyle that you gave up and God delivered you from. You went back to it. God can deliver you again today. Those drugs that are trying to grab you once again, God can break you free of it today. But don't delay your decision. Don't delay. Do it today. Say today, Lord, starting on this first Sunday of 2024, I'm going to put my eyes on you. I'm going to give my life to you. Set me free. Another story in the Bible, and I don't have time to go too much into it. The Lord was talking with Lot, dealing with him and his family on behalf of his uncle, Abraham. God and Abraham had had a conversation. God said, I'm destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham says, man, my, my nephew lives there. And for my nephew, would you at least spare those twin cities? If, if there's maybe 50 righteous, the Lord says, if there's 50 righteous, I'll spare the city. The Lord already knew the answer. There weren't even 50. They went all the way down to 10, and God could not even find 10 righteous people. So God did as he had already promised to do. But he warned Lot, Abraham's nephew, his wife and children that had already lived for some time in Sodom and Gomorrah. They started out by pitching their tents and their dwelling toward these evil 
perverse cities. But as time passes, we find Lot and his family now in those perverse cities. So God sends angels to deliver Lot and his family to protect them as the fire and brimstone begins to fall upon these cities. The cities were so perverse, the men of that city were so filled with lust and immorality that when they saw those very angels, the Bible says they desired to sleep with them. That's how perverse this city was. And here's Lot with his wife and his children. Somehow they found themselves outside and now they're inside. And God in his mercy says, come on, Lot, you got to get out of here. I'm doing this not for you, but because your uncle Abraham interceded on your behalf. Can I pause to say that intercessory prayer is powerful. God had already made up his mind. I'm destroying this evil, perverse, arrogant cities. But somebody said, no, you can't, God. Have mercy on my nephew. Have mercy on his children. Have mercy on his wife. And God says, because of your prayers and because of your faithfulness, I'll destroy everybody else except that family. Can I tell somebody today, if you start praying and you start covering your family with the blood of Jesus, God will save them. Oh, I wish I had somebody in this building that knows that prayer works, that intercession works, that going to God on behalf of others still works. How do you know it works, Pastor? I'm here because of intercessory prayer. I stand before you today because people prayed on my behalf. The book of Genesis says a very sobering statement. The angels are present. The Lord tells them, run, flee the new King James. The King James says, flee to the mountains. Because Sodom and Gomorrah were in a valley. And so God says, the safest place for you guys to be while I take out this city is run to the mountains. I don't know about you. Okay, I'm, I'm from South Phoenix. When someone says run, you don't even ask questions. Some of you didn't grow up in those kind of neighborhoods. Why would I run? Running makes absolutely no sense. I'm not a runner. I don't even have the right shoes. But if you grew up in my neighborhood, Brother Alex, all they had to say was run. How many grew up in that kind of neighborhood? Lift it behind you. You know, you know. What are we running from? I have no idea. They just said run. Maybe a dog barked, gunshot, I don't know. He said run, so we're running. Where are we going? I don't know. We'll, we'll know when we get there. The, new, the King James says, escape to the mountains. Run. Another version says, and this is the terrible statement that shows the condition of Lot's heart. Find it in Genesis. It says, and Lot lingered. It says, and Lot lingered. Obviously, he wasn't from the south side. An angel of the Lord says, run. Escape for your lives. 
Escape for your family and your children. And possibly your grandchildren. Run! And Lot lingers. It goes as far to say. It's there in your Bible. This is amazing. Funny things come out when you read your Bible. The angel grabs Lot. That's what it says. How many of you read that in your Bible? I know some of you have. The angel grabs Lot, his wife, and children and runs. Man, I wish I could grab some of you, but I can't. First of all, it's against the law. And I don't want to go viral on social media. I don't crave attention that much. And it's anti-biblical for the New Testament where we're in the time of grace, where God gives people the choice, where you choose. But some of you, I wish I could grab you. I really do. I do. And some folks that aren't here, I wish I could go right now where they are and grab them off that sofa. Grab them from working those unnecessary extra hours on a Sunday. Grab them from some park that they're at right now. Because you don't understand what you are doing to your family. You don't understand the harm that you're inflicting on your children. But God gives people the opportunity today. The angels grabbed Lot. He didn't want to leave. He didn't want, his, his family didn't want to leave. It was so bad that while the angels were pulling them, his, his wife turned around and looked back. And Jesus didn't even tell the whole story. Because he knew that the Jewish people of his day had studied the story. And he tells him, remember Lot's wife. That's all he says. That's all he says. And so I'm here to tell somebody, don't linger. Quit playing with those things that you gave up years ago. That you used to testify that God delivered you from. Let it go. I said, not for my family. I'm not going to allow the enemy to destroy my mind, destroy my life, destroy my children, destroy their futures. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I'm not going to linger. I'm not going to play. I'm not going to delay. Today, Jesus, I give you my life today. I want to be baptized in Jesus' name today. I'm going to repent today. I'm going to allow God to restore me. Could somebody lift your hands for a few moments? I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, it's urgent. I wish some of you felt the urgency that I feel right now. It's urgent. It's of utmost importance that you don't delay your decision. It's of utmost importance that you make up your mind. God, I'll serve you. 2024 is going to be the year where, I, where we turn it all around. I'm going to put you first. I'm going to run to you, Jesus. Don't delay your decision. Now let me hurry because I'm running out of time. The third thing. If you lose, number three, your right eye. You lose your vision and your victory. In those days, soldiers had a certain type of armor, a helmet or a shield that covered their left eye for protection in the battle. And for that reason, the only eye they could use during the battle was their right eye. 
So the removal of their right eye guaranteed that a soldier would be blind in the battle. And because the majority were right-handed, they typically used their open right eye to see and guide them in the fight. And the enemy knew that. He didn't ask for their left eye. He said, give me your right eye and we'll leave you alone. No, he wasn't planning on leaving them alone. He said, I'll take their right eye and when we come back later with the rest of the army, with a full army, they'll be incapable of fighting us and bringing any kind of resistance. So give us your right eye. And so by losing their right eye, they were losing their ability to see. Can I tell you, my dear friend and brother, the enemy doesn't want you to have a vision for your life. He doesn't want you to see all that God has in store for you. He doesn't want you to see God's purpose and God's plan for your life. But here's something else you got to keep in mind. When you can't see, you must depend on others for direction. Come here, Brother Alex. Get out there. Show me up here on the platform. If I were to lose my sight, then I'm dependent on somebody else to direct me. Just walk a little bit. And wherever he thinks it's safe, he's going to take me. I don't know where I'm going. I'm hoping and banking that he does. And I'm basing my judgment on his judgment. Because I can't see. Thank you. So what's happened to many of us is we've allowed the enemy to pluck out our right eye. And so now we make our decisions based on what other people say we should do. Do you think he's good for me? Oh, yes, of course. He has a good job. He has such a nice car. What do you guys think about this job? You know, I'm going to make a career move. And, and I'm interested in thinking with you guys because when you lose your vision, you have to ask others to help you. So we got ungodly, un, uh, 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 people that don't base their life on the Bible, that aren't full of the Holy Ghost, guiding us. And then we wonder why we're tripping up and confused and lost. And, uh, you can see it in people's eyes. They have a, a lost look. It's because you've been asking other people to lead you. Because when you lose your spiritual right eye, you lose your vision. You allow your friends and your family and people around you to tell you where you should go and what you should do. But the devil is a liar. I want to see all that God has for me. I refuse to give up my vision. I refuse to give up my spiritual right eye. Without their right eye, maybe they could see a little bit. Mainly what was right in front of them, but they couldn't see far away for what was down the road. You see, when the enemy takes your spiritual right eye, you're unable to perceive where God is taking you and the future he has for you. So you become short-sighted, living for what you can see right in front of you. So all I can see is this. So all I'm worried about is this. Pastor, I'm just trying to make it. I'm just trying to get by. I'm just, we're just surviving. I get it. We've all been there. 
You get to moments like that. But as time goes on and you mature in your walk with God and you become a better steward of your life and your resources, then you have to start planning and looking down the road and seeing how this decision today will affect what happens to your children tomorrow. How I invest my time and my money and my energy today will determine the success of my life tomorrow. But if I lose my vision, I just get in spiritual survival mode, trying to make it day to day, week to week, Sunday to Sunday, just trying to get through, Pastor. Just trying, and that's okay for a minute. But after a while, you can't live that way. Somebody say, I need my vision. Secondly, by taking the right eyes, the enemy was taking their ability to fight. You see, no vision, no victory. Somebody say that with me. No vision, no victory. The devil will do whatever he can to keep you from fighting. Because he knows if you keep fighting, you will overcome. You will have the victory over everything he throws at you if you keep fighting. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do in your life is to keep fighting. Keep fighting those thoughts. Pastor, somebody told me one time, Pastor, I keep having these thoughts. I, I don't know what to do. I told him, keep fighting those thoughts. Keep fighting them thoughts. You're going to overcome, but keep resisting. Don't give in to that spirit of depression. Don't give in to that spirit of death. Don't give in to that spirit of anxiety. Fight. Fight those thoughts. No, 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 no. I'm not going to die. I'm going to live. No, no, no. I've got a purpose. i got value. I've got peace. Jesus loves me. In spite of what everybody else might say, he loves me. Fight those thoughts. If you keep fighting, you will win. But pastor, I just feel like I'm going to slip up. Keep fighting. I just feel like I'm going to go back into alcohol. Keep fighting. I just feel like I'm going to go back into the world. Keep fighting. I feel like I'm going to go back to that old life. No. Keep fighting. If you fight, you will win. The key to victory is to keep fighting. But many of us give up because we want a secret formula. Pastor, lay your hands on me so that lustful spirit comes off my life. No, you need to quit, quit looking at pornography. You need to quit messing around with those people. And then we'll pray for you, of course. But what good does a prayer here when you don't want to go and live it out there? But we all want like a secret pill, you know? Why? Because we don't want to work at it. I want a secret pill for my marriage. No, you keep fighting for your marriage. You wake up every day and fall in love again with your spouse. And remember why you fell in love with them in the first place. And you keep fighting. But Pastor, my kids are grown. I can't tell them what to do. Yeah, but you can keep fighting on their behalf in prayer. Families against me, Pastor, they don't want to listen. But you can go to a God who hears your prayers. 
who can speak to them and touch them and move and minister in their life. Mom and dad, don't give up. I know it didn't happen for you in 2023, but it's a new year. There's a new opportunity. There's still hope for God to save those babies and save those children, but you gotta keep fighting. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Look at somebody tell them, keep fighting. It's not that I'm less spiritual or more spiritual. It's not that I haven't been in church long enough or, or I don't know enough. It's that I got to keep fighting. If I wake up and fight the devil today, I'll have the victory today. And then I'll get up tomorrow and I'll fight him tomorrow and I'll have the victory tomorrow. And then next week I'll keep fighting him. And guess what? I'll have the victory next week. And then there comes a day, many that have been serving the Lord for a while know what I'm talking about. There comes a day where then you break through. All of a sudden, there's no pool in that direction anymore. All of a sudden, you can hear about somebody and have a conversation about somebody, and it does nothing to you because you broke through. That doesn't happen if you give up. If you lose your right eye, you lose your vision, you lose your victory. And so I'm getting ready to try to wrap this all up here. So what do you do when you're surrounded by the serpent? Pastor, he's putting so much pressure on me. I feel so stressed out. I feel like I have a hard time making lucid decisions and healthy choices because I have so much pressure. The walls are caving in on me. I'm so overwhelmed. What do I do? You do what these people did. Verse number, uh, number four, excuse me. You give. I'm sorry, not verse number four, but the point number four. You give your problems to the king. Nahash said, we're going to come for your right eye. And we'll destroy you if you don't give us your right eye. And so look, look at what happens. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost so strongly. First Samuel 11, 4 and 5, watch this. So the messengers came to Gabeah of Saul. Saul was the king. And told the news in the hearing of the people. And all the people lifted up their voices and wept. Now there was Saul coming behind the herd from the field. And Saul said, what troubles the people and th that they weep? And they told him the words of the men of Jabesh. The men came back. And their wives and their children were waiting for them. And they all rehearsed the saying to their wives and children. He said that if we don't, if we don't surrender our right eyes, they're going to come for everything that we have. And so all the women and all the children and all the soldiers lifted up their voices and they wept. And here comes the king, oblivious, unfortunately. That's a whole other message for a whole other time. But here comes the king oblivious of what the enemy is trying to do to God's people. And he creeps up on them while they're crying and they're weeping. Probably throwing themselves on the floor like good Jewish people would do when they mourned. And he says, why do the people weep? The people ultimately realized that the best thing to do when you feel surrounded by the enemy is to go find the king. Somebody said, King, this is what's going on. King, this is what they said. King, this is what they're trying to do. King, this is how they're threatening us. Can I tell you, everything changes when you get the king involved. 
I'm trying to help somebody today that's been trying to sort it out on your own, trying to figure it out by yourself, trying to work your way out of that thing. What you need to do is give it to the king and say, Jesus, king of all kings and Lord of all lords, I need you to work a miracle in my life. I need you to save my family. I need you to move in my life. You have to give your struggle, your battles, and your worries to the king. This is what they should have done first. Before negotiating with the enemy. They should have said, we, we can't answer you regarding this. Let us consult with the king. And before they went over there and spread all that junk on Facebook. Well, they didn't have Facebook then. Before they started posting those sad selfies on Instagram. I'm sorry, they didn't have Instagram then. (laughs) Trying to win over sympathy from their 300 friends on social media. How bad they had it because no one else has it as bad as them. Again, I'm sorry, they didn't have social media in those days. Before they went anywhere and told anybody about anything, they should have made an appointment with the king. I'm not even going to worry about it because I haven't told the king yet. Before I stay up all night worried about it, let me at least ask the king what he thinks and what he wants to do before I start flipping out and getting all worried about what's going to happen tomorrow or the day after. Maybe I should go to the king and see what the king can do. Can I tell you, some of you have been worried more than you should. Some of you have not been able to sleep more than you should. Take your problems to the king. Give them to Jesus because Jesus has the answer. And more than that, he is the answer. It's so good to know that when you and I don't know where to go, we can always step into the presence of the king. And I'm just letting a little secret out there. I don't always know what to do. And you're the pastor. You better believe as a pastor, I don't always know what to do. But I always know who to go to. And I learned a long time ago that if you call on him, he'll answer. And I can't tell you, I could be here day and night telling you of all the dilemmas and all the issues and all the struggles, some big doozies that I've laid at the feet of the king that he's sorted out, that he's worked out, that he's give clarity to, that he's provided direction for, that he's lifted off of my life. And I'm nobody special. If he can do it for me, I know he can do it for you. But the key is to take it to the king. Now the story gets good. The the scriptures clearly state that they cried out to the king and requested his help. Everything changes when you get the king involved. And it's at this point where the story changes. The pianist would come. When King Saul saw how all the people were affected, he decided to do something about it. Give me 1 Samuel 11, 6 and 7. Watch this. This is incredible. Then the Spirit of God, again, this wasn't just anger, all right? 
This wasn't just frustration. The Spirit of God came upon Saul the king when he heard this news and his anger was greatly aroused. So he took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces and sent them throughout all the territory of Israel by the hands of the messenger saying, whoever does not go out with Saul and Samuel to battle, so shall it be done to his oxen. That sounds very Old Testament. So let me give the 2024 version. Saul's angry, but he seems like he's the only one that's angry. Have you ever seen what the devil is doing to somebody's life? And you're more frustrated about him than they are? Oh, I wish I had some real folks that would just... You look at that relative, and you're like, man, your life is a mess. Really? I, I, I'm, I'm having a good time. Your life is falling apart. They don't even see it. And you're the only one that's angry about what the devil is doing. So now you know what I'm talking about now. Oh, I, I get that anger every once in a while when I see what the devil tries to do to some of your lives. I say, devil, you better not touch God's people. You better get your hands off of those minds. You better get your hands off of those marriages. You better get your hands off of those children. You better get your hands off of those ministries. But it's a devastating thing when you're the only one that's angry. Whatever, Pastor, you know. My family's been like that for a long time. I guess that's why we were going to be. You got to get angry, my brother and my sister. And say, we've had so many addicts in my family. Enough is enough. We've had so much dysfunction in my family. Enough is enough. If they're not going to get angry about it, then I'm going to get angry with the devil. Not with them. Oh, no. We're not angry at them. We're angry at the devil that's trying to destroy their lives and take them to hell. Somebody's got to get angry at the devil today. I've told people many times, you will never change until you get angry with the devil. You'll never break that addiction. You'll never be free until you get fed up enough with the devil. I say, that lying devil has been lying to me. He's had me all bitter and all locked up and confused for so long. Devil, you are, you are a liar. I'm getting up in the power of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to be free. I'm going to live in victory. I'm going to go forward in the mighty name of Jesus. So, so let me get back to the story. He was angry. But he was the only one that was angry. So he took some oxen that were off to the side there. And he got the best taquero he could find. Because you know, taquero, taco people can cut that meat up like nobody's business. I love when I go to parties and I hear that. I say, ooh, man, it's going to get good today. I want to sit next to that. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's like, what's that noise? What's so strange? Get on that cutting board. They start cutting up that meat. Oh, man. Like, Jesus, help me for this food that we're about to receive. It's not even on the grill yet, Lord. We're grateful. We're thankful. In Jesus' mighty name. I get the salsa. I get all the fixings so that when them 
tacos hit that plate. So Saul says, kill those oxen. Chop up all that meat and send the pieces to the 12 tribes of Israel. And you tell them that if they don't do anything, that's what the enemy is going to do to them. Saul wasn't strong enough to kill all that army. So it wasn't Saul saying, I'm threatening you, that if you don't fight with me, I'm going to do this to you. No, 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 no. He said, if you don't come with me, this is what's going to happen to you and your family. The enemy is not just going to come for your right eye. He's going to chop you up like this meat. And so if you don't want your family to end up chopped up like this by the enemy, then you better come and help me fight. It was an illustrative sermon that King Saul was preaching to the people of Israel. And when the people saw the pieces of meat, they said, I don't want my children to end up like that. I don't want my marriage to end up like that. I don't want my future to look like that. Let's go and fight. Let's go and tear down this enemy. Enough is enough. I don't need seven days to think about it. I don't need to talk it over with my friends and family. Let's go now. Let's fight now. Let's go get the value. I wish I had somebody here in this room today that says, Pastor, now I'm making a decision today. I'm going to fight the enemy today. I don't want him to destroy my family. I don't want him to destroy my children. I don't want him to destroy this church. And so Saul didn't threaten the people. He just showed them what could happen. And I hope and pray you understand my spirit today. I'm not here threatening anybody. I'm not here angry with anybody but the devil. But I'm just trying to show you what could happen if you don't fight. I'm just trying to share some scenarios with you of what your life could look like if you delay your decision. I'm just trying to piece together the puzzle that could possibly, and I hope I'm wrong in every extent of the way, of what could possibly happen if you don't stand up and fight for what's yours. So Saul, I'm trying to close. Saul sends out this illustrated sermon. And so two things happened when they decided to go to the king. This shows us, as I close, two weapons that we have available to us to overcome the enemy. Our two weapons that we have in 2024 are the following. The Spirit of God and unity. Because if you remember, I don't know if you're able to, but give me verse number 7 again if you could. First Samuel 11 and 7. And he took a pair of the oxen took a yoke of oxen and cut them into pieces and sent them throughout all the territory of Israel by the hands of the messenger, saying, whoever does not go out with Saul and Samuel to battle shall be done to his oxen. Watch this. And the fear of the Lord fell on all the people. And watch this. And they came out. Get it back here in a second. And they came out together as one. Remember, this reaction all started when the king heard the crying and the weeping 
and the spirit of God came upon him remember that and he got angry and then he sent out the pieces of meat to all the 12 tribes and the Bible says they came out together as one can I tell you PFAC the only way we're going to win this battle the only way we're going to be victorious is by the spirit of God for it's not by might nor by power but by my spirit saith the Lord and then we got to unite as one we got to fight as one because we only have one enemy stand with me today So if we're going to be victorious, we need the Spirit of God, and we need unity. And the Bible says, you can go ahead and read it in your own time, but the Bible says the army went against the enemy, and they destroyed them because they went out as one. You were here on New Year's Eve. You heard the message the Lord gave us, the vision for this year. One church, one mission. If you didn't get to hear that message, I encourage you to go back to our YouTube page and channel. It's not because I preached it, because I believe it'll help you and bless you. And go through that message again, or for the first time. But church, we're going to be victorious when we're one. We've got the Holy Ghost leading us and guiding us. But it's time to come together as one. We only have one enemy. And that is the devil. We're not here to fight with one, one another. We're not in conflict or competition with one another. We want to see every marriage blessed. We want to see every family blessed. We want to see every individual blessed, saved, and on their way to heaven. That's my passion. That's my goal. But what's going to happen by the Spirit of God and by marching as one. But I've come to preach to somebody today as I close this message there as you're standing don't allow the enemy to have your spiritual right eye don't give up your spiritual right eye somebody says my vision is fine pastor I'm talking about your spiritual vision I'm talking about your joy and your peace your satisfaction your purpose your family your marriage your ministry don't give it up Surrender it. Don't negotiate with the enemy. Don't delay your decision. You lose your right eye. You lose your vision. You lose your victory. The best thing you can do is go to the king. So here's what I want to do today. I want to pray first for everyone in this building that in 2023 or of late, you have felt like the enemy has plucked out something from your life. And you're believing that in 2024, God can restore it all back to you. You don't have to tell me what it is, but you've got that spiritual right eye in your mind right now. I want you to come and stand at this altar right now.